Tantrum House Board Gaming Podcast is recorded live from Studio WKRD in Greenville, South Carolina. This podcast is brought to you by our friendly local game store, Boardwalk, purveyors of fine games. Bezier Games, the new classics. AEG, we make fun. The Game Steward, your second chance at Kickstarter games. And Game Toppers, LLC, upgrading your gaming experience. Your hosts are here to help you sort through the cardboard commotion to help you find the diamonds in the rough. So buckle up, especially if you're driving right now, because you're about to arrive at the Tantrum House. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today we got Will Meadows. Sarah Meadows. Jonah D. And Kevin Delp. In In the the house. house. And man, has it been an exciting past week. We have got all kinds of things we're going to be talking about on this episode. Some of us had an opportunity to go to Proto ATL, an event in Atlanta. Yeah. That we're going to be talking about. Uh, some of us got an opportunity to go to the Atom T2023 event in St. Louis this week. Some of us have been playing lots of different board games and having lots of fun at the table. And I think we've got an episode sponsor this week and all kinds of fantastic things. Kickstarters, of course, that we're going to be talking about on this episode. So I don't even know where to begin. Let's start with maybe Sarah. Give us a little recap on Proto-ATL Adventures. Sure. So I was able to attend Proto-ATL and um, play, I think, seven, six or seven, wow. six, six new prototypes and get those to the table was able to give lots of feedback and my experiences and how I felt while playing the game offer suggestions so tell us a little a bit about time. what is proto ATL yeah so proto ATL is a designer focused event where board game designers bring prototypes there are publishers and also um, play testers there just to test out games, work on refining them, and um, hope hopefully get them refined Maybe. enough to get them published. Right, introduce them so to publishers. So some of them are there. There were also workshops on pitching games, on um, the entire development of games. So lots of stuff going on. Some big name people there. I think this year they were in a new location or new venue. Yep. On a different hotel convention center in Atlanta. So, um, yeah, they were quite a, it was, it was a much larger event this year. Very cool. I know I've been able to go in the past. Uh, didn't get to go this year because I was at the other event, but it is a really neat time where it's mostly uh, board game publishers and designers and some media folks and a lot of play testers. And the whole idea yep. is come together, try out these ideas, see what works, see what and, doesn't. And what's cool is several of the play testers that were there were actually owners of board game stores um, that had come in, which is cool because they get to see some early stuff and then watch how it progresses, and then they'll probably have them for sale in their store later. So you went down for a day. Yep. Got to hang out with some peoples. What was the highlight? What was like the best stuff? Um, let's see here. We played a couple of game, a couple of party games that were, you know, general party games, word guessing type games. Um, just because we had a big group of people, so sometimes those are harder to play test um, if you don't have the correct numbers. Um, we also played the expansion to Garten Bow, which um, I, 
I've, this is my second play of this. I played um, at a previous event and worked out refining some of the um, mechanics for that. So that was good. Um, and one cool thing about it was I had played a strategy nobody had tried yet, mm. which is always good for the designers and publishers to work through and make sure it works and everything. So. Did you break it? Did you win? I didn't break it, and I came in very close second place mm. with using a to- majority of the expansion components wow. and not the base game That's components. Cool. So cool. it was good. Um, and we found out it wasn't broken, what I did, so worked out good. Um, and then we, I got to play a couple of games by Andrew Stiles, um, uh, a, a tile placement game. Um, it was kind of a mashup of a tile laying game in a very specific set area and kind of like Wingspan where you're trying to collect birds. Hmm. So it was kind of I a... I saw pictures of that one. Yeah. It looked interesting. So they, they're... They don't have a they have a kind of a working title but not an official title for that one yet. So was, that was cool. Um I also played let me see what else. Um I have to go back and look at pictures. While well, Sarah's thinking. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I I played an abstract strategy game from Dave Abelson that used tile shapes I had never seen before. Ooh. Which was interesting. Cool. It made you think and I my one piece of feedback was this is like a breath of fresh air because it's not the standard polyomino or hex. Does it remind shape. you of castles a little bit? No, not at all. It was on a, a set board where you have set spaces. Were they and all the same shape? No. I, no. I thought I saw a picture of it, but maybe it wasn't. It looked like a t shirt. Was that just a one of uh, the tiles? That was one of the tiles. <laughs> like, all the tiles were unique shaped mm. and they had little. The He doesn't really have a theme. Like it's kind of one of those abstract strategies where it's. You could put a lot of different themes on it. Mm-hmm. This one was doodles, which worked, mm-hmm. and you were it was a it was an area influence control. Have you seen Hamlet? I haven't. Okay, Hamlet has unique shaped. Yeah, those are like tile. pretty big tiles. I think these are smaller. This was, like, yeah, this was a smaller puzzle PC. Cool. Okay. Yeah, it was. Um, I I can see how some people it would be a little difficult because it they're pentagons. So five sided, mm-hmm. but they're kind of flattened and squished, so it's not the standard um, pentagon okay. um, shape. So a pentagon, pentagon. Yeah, it was like a squished pentagon. So it a beach ball. <laughs> not quite, but um, so I played that as well. So cool. very cool. There were okay. So two prototypes that stood out to several people there. One was. The working title is currently Apostocracy. It is a um, female designer, and she did all her own art, and it is amazing. That's cool. And she's not sure if somebody is going to pick it up or what's going on with the future of it, but it is a very unique mechanic set, which is it's a Euro, but it is a trick-taking Euro. So I haven't played any trick-taking Euros. And you got to try this one? I did not get to oh, try it because okay. it was a long, longer game, sure. and I was only there for a day. Right. So I didn't get this right, one. Right, to the, right. And, the, it, and looked, it looked very cool. cool. It was um, mid-1800s. You're at a ball. Cool. So And then the other one that was at Tantrum Con, and I wanted to play it there, and I didn't get to play it there, and I didn't get to play it at Proto Tale, was um, Galactic Cruise. I've heard about that one. 
heard really good things cool. about it. And I think the designer is going to self-publish. So okay. we'll hopefully yeah, see it coming out at some point. I saw Galactic Cruise. I didn't yeah. play it either, but I think I saw this one. Cool. Yeah. I Okay, so the two people who played it that I'm friends with, mm-hmm. Bob Crowell and Caitlin Fight. Both have dreamed about this game. <laughs> After they played it. Yes. Okay, not before. They, they played it and like cannot stop thinking about okay. it, which makes me cool. really Dream interested in trying it. it out. They said it's just very seamless, okay. intuitive play. I got to go back and watch our um, pitchathon yeah. footage. The Shark Tank. So I can remember which one was Galactic Cruise. Okay, it was in the pitchathon. Yeah, I think it was. So. Yeah. Cool. Joe, mm-hmm. Joe, are you. Can so I? that was cool. that was my. I introduced a game to Jonah. Yeah, and I wanted to play it again this week, and no one would play with me. But it was really good. Oh, was it okay? Well, yeah, okay, uh, okay. it was there. Uh, you're talking about Grand Austria Hotel. No, I'm talking about Anachrony. Oh, yeah, oh. we played that one too. You played Anachrony? Yeah, without it, me, it was good. Come on, have you played Anachrony? No. Yet? Oh it well, was, I keep oh, inviting. Really good. I invite Will over to the house I once do in a while. Say no too and often. <laughs> Will's like, oh, sorry. Will is busy or out of I'm town. Just, I'm out of town this if weekend. You say no enough times, you, you lose you your. Stop getting. I know. Jonah comes over and plays games now. Good yeah, job. It's fun. Uh, Anachrony was really good, actually. I thought because of when it was delivered on the Kickstarter and everyone was posting their infinity boxes and it mm. was really big that I probably wouldn't enjoy it because it was going to take a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then when we played it, it was normal and it was great. Yeah, it was an, it's, a, it's a big Euro game. It takes a little bit longer to play, but it's not hard. To, you're taking, it's a worker placement. Yep. It's a, it's a worker placement game. It uses the, um, the future debt sort of idea where you're borrowing from the future and you have to pay it back. I, I like it. I think it works well with the theme. Yeah, we played the base game. I'm um, interested to try some of the expansions. I know. Yeah, we need to introduce you to some of the expansions now that you know, understand. Yeah, but it was fun. It was really good. Good. Okay, but but the other game that actually is one of my favorites now. Grand Austria Hotel? Yeah, I played it twice now. Whoa. I, I, sh- I should be right there with you, but nobody would play with me this weekend. Okay. Um, I've been... I haven't been dreaming about it, <laughs> but I've been thinking about this game. It's a good game. Yeah. I've been thinking, like, man, I should have went up the track a little faster. Like, is it the Kingdom track? I should have went up the Emperor Emperor track a little. Yeah, fa- yeah it's a good game. It's kind of it's it kind of throws you off with like the box cover art and the art that's on the board. Yeah, but it's we were old being it's a Mayfair game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were being explained Which is the a very rules. Specific style. Of art. We're probably fifty or sixty or seventy five percent through the rules, and like, there's another component or another avenue of the game, and I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be good. Yeah, there's a lot, and I like it. Yeah, it's and again, not overwhelming a lot, but it was like, remember that, but then also do this. And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I, I really do like the way the game works with the... Have you played it yet, Will? I have not. So basically, I, I did see it out on the table. General overview is lots of dice are rolled, and then you put them in sets based on their number, and then you're taking an action based on where like the twos are a certain type of action, like getting resources or whatever. The power of the action is dependent on the number of dice in that section. And as you're taking dice away, it reduces the power of that of that mm. action. It's It's... It's pretty cool. Cool. All right. Well, it's definitely on my list to play. I had a couple games on, that have been on my list that I finally got an opportunity to play this week. Cool. Uh, one of those was Scout. Yes. From Oink Games or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that what they're Small companies? box card yeah. game. Yeah. And I had seen it. I knew that it was nominated for the Spiel. Somehow I missed opportunities to play, and I finally got a chance to get it to the table, and I super enjoyed it. Cool. It's got some kind of ladder trick-taking type things going on. Not mm-hmm. really tricks, but ladder. Uh, you got to be able to play higher or more cards sure. than the previous player. You're, uh, you've got this little 
truck in front of you that you can use once in the game and it's just got some neat mechanics going on it's a very simple card game but it's the type of game that i think anybody in my family would want to play mm-hmm. your cards are all two they have two different values so you can like flip them and that's either, what i think is cool about it yeah play it as a six or as a ten and the arrangement in your hand does matter right yeah yes. so you can't you can't rearrange your hand it's like bonanza yeah they shuffle you the cards they hand them mm-hmm. to you you have to play them kind of in the way that they were dealt to you um, but you can, if you're not able or don't want to beat the trick that's played in front of you, you can steal a card out of it and add it to your hand. And that's kind of the only way that you can adjust the cards that are in your hand. And so you might be able to steal a seven out of their play and put it next to your five and six. And now you've got to run and you're just trying to play your cards as fast as you can. When somebody does play all their cards, everybody else gets negative points for all the cards that they had left in their hand. And it's just it's not even a brain burner. Like it didn't require extra, extra thought, but it was like, okay, what I got my hand of cards. It kind of is junky. How can I make it great? Oh, this card is perfect. And it was just really neat. It plays pretty quick. It was easy to learn. It looks fun. Like the artwork for it is really fun. And it's much, when I saw the box for it, I thought it was like a code name size box. Mm-mm. It's literally just like a deck of cards size box even with smaller. some, yeah, with some yep. punch board tokens in it for score and coins. And yep. uh, it was neat. I really, really enjoyed it. The other game that I got to play, so I'll just keep going, that I I got on this tangent this weekend where I had mentioned the game Steam Court, which is the one that Tantrum House published <laughs> way back in the day. Did you have a copy of it? I did not. Apparently, I need to start bringing that with me because everybody was like, oh, let's play right now. And I was like, uh, I mean, it's fine. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Vital is sort of standing over there. Do you want to play any of his games? Um, but it was fun. So I mentioned the, the trick-taking thing. And then suddenly everybody was like, oh, I love trick-taking games. Yeah, trick-taking games are the best. Have you played? Let's play Scout right now. The other one that I played was, and I'd never played this, tons of people, when I first started working on Steam Court, told me... Teach you. Yeah. They told me, this is just like Teach You. And I was like, I never played it, so it doesn't count. It was fun. Cool. Yeah. Old classic game. Uh, Same ladder trick-taking thing. with some wild cards in the deck. You've got like a dragon and... Um, you have this dog thing, which is kind of cool. It makes, when you play the dog, another person has to take their turn. It's like you're passing your turn to them. It's got some kind of weird scoring. There's some cards that give you like a bunch of negative points. Only certain cards actually give you points. It would be a little hard to track, I think, honestly. But there's an app for it, which made it super easy and great. So I had a lot of fun with that one. Finally got a chance to play it, and it was a really, really good time. You know what I played? I hadn't played it up to this point either. I played Cryptid with um, the delightful fam- folks from Our Family Plays Games. Cool. And it was fun. Yeah. You guys didn't tell me about this one either. <laughs> I, so many we've got I enjoyed it. I played I think we've played it. It's been a while. I think I don't bring it back to the table too much because Melissa actually doesn't like it. Mm, I'm not sure what exactly. What not like about it? I'm not, She's I confused. Remember. Yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't remember. She's like, ah, that's not my favorite. This is I, the area... Or the it's a so it's a um, deduction yeah. hidden map yeah, yeah. deduction type which game. surprises me because she likes yeah. those type of games yeah I don't remember exactly what it was there was some specific mechanic that she didn't like about it but uh, well, I, in but, the middle of playing it I thought to myself oh my wife will also like this one cool. and this is easy to take out and play with yeah real quick and yeah. it was good cool. anyway excellent stuff all right well let's take a break for a moment and give a shout out to our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by IV Games. Their game Fractured Sky is coming to crowdfunding, and you can check out our 
uh, overview video and playthrough video of this game. They are the publishers who have brought Moonrakers and Veiled Fate to the board gaming world. So check out Fractured Sky from IV Games. Can't wait. All right, let's jump into our Kickstarter conniption. Kickstarter conniption. This episode, we'll be talking about five games coming to crowdfunding during the first couple weeks of April 2023. I'm actually going to start us off. What? Yes. Stealing <laughs> the show. Go, Sarah. Because I'm talking about Fractured Sky. Since oh, I just mentioned go. it, I'm going <laughs> to keep talking about it. Uh, this is a deduction resource management game that has um, some bidding in it as well. And um, you will be hunting for shards of fallen stars. Um, and you'll be using airships and moving your armies around the board to try and um, increase your presence on the island that you are on. So you can check out uh, Fractured Sky from Ivy Games. It is a one to five player game. Which I I think their other games are all five. Are they all five players? Uh, well, I know Moonrakers is. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I can't remember. Fate might be six. Failed Fate okay. might be more than that. I do yeah. like that mm-hmm. people are publishing games for more than just four. Agree. So that is Fractured Sky. Uh, it is coming uh, April eleventh um, to crowdfunding. Jonah. Yeah, I've got a game. It's Santorini Pantheon Edition, uh, which is coming to Kickstarter on April 11th. So this is kind of fun, okay? So it's a brand new um, version Mm -hmm. of Santorini, but they're also including a new cooperative expansion that's called Riddle of the Sphinx. And I think Santorini Co-op, I think, like, how can you play chess? Co-op, but yeah. I guess it's done. I guess it can be happening. I agree with you. I'm kind of interested in playing it. If you haven't played Santorini before, uh, the original game is set in Greece. The second version is set in New York, and you are uh, kind of building towers. Yeah, I three-dimensional guess. plastic ones. Yeah, they're like they're 3D. They're plastic. You're and you're building towers, and you've got to get three levels on your tower, and then cap it. I think in mm-hmm. order to get a win. But of course, on your turn, you have to move your uh, your meeple, your worker, and I think in New York they're people and Mm -hmm. i guess they're people in both versions but you have to move them and then you have to place one kind of around where you moved real easy rules simple rules um but really fun it's probably one of you know a lot of folks top two player games i agree um and so having a new version set in a new town with you know new art on these 3d things is really cool i know the new york version had skyscrapers in the box which was really cool and so uh, a lot of folks are actually really excited about the new santorini pantheon uh so again kickstarter on april 11th there's actually not a price announced yet which is interesting considering we're recording just before the 11th but i'm sure they'll take care of it uh and take care of us and all the folks who want to play their game kevin what do you have I have a game called Thorgol, the board game coming from Portal Games on April 11th on GameFound. Uh, Thorgol is based off of a comic book series that's very popular in Poland. Uh, Portal Games has picked it up, and they've made a board game out of it for one to four players. It's a, in, in the at least the base game, it's a seven standalone scenario, so it's a story adventure type game, but it's not a campaign or legacy game. Each scenario takes about an hour and a half to two hours to play. 
and the unique sort of mechanic in this game. It's sort of action selection where um, you are um, playing a chip down to a certain type of action like moving or fighting or things like that. But where you place your chip to like say I say I'm moving, the next person that goes, um, if they go to move as well, usually if someone else has done an action at that a certain spot, it's going to be a more powerful action. Um, so it sort of says if there's one used chip at this spot, then your action is now this. Or if there's more than one used action chip at this spot, then your action. And that sounds pretty cool to me. So that's um, a game that has sort of an action selection story-based game uh, from Portal Games. You actually take on sort of these roles of Thorgal and his wife and their son and things like that in the game. And um, yeah, it, I'll have an overview video for you that you can check out if you'd like to see what the components look like. And that's coming April 11th to Game Found called Thorgal from Portal Games. Will. So I'm looking at the game Terminus coming from Inside Up Games. This is actually already on Kickstarter when you're listening to this. Um, I had an opportunity to play this at the Adam event that we went to this week, which we'll be talking about more in just a little bit. But uh, the game itself is a route building um, subway line type of game. It reminded me of uh, Metro, Mag- what's it called? Maglev Metro. Maglev Metro, except maybe like times three complexity. Oh, wow. I also played this game. It did not remind me of Maglev Metro at any point. So Maglev is a very big en- or very good engine building game. Is there? Are you building an engine in Terminus? This is actually a rondelle. So you are so going to be like not not in that way, but yeah. you are building routes of okay. of lines. So you're okay. laying down track. So there's, there's no transparent tiles, but okay. you're laying down track. You're building hubs. You're trying to okay. score victory points in the way that you do them. It's not pick up and deliver, but it. So it sounds like the theme is the theme similar, is but the, the mechanics are different. Okay. Correct. Gotcha. Um, in the game, you are working your way around this rondelle where you're going to be picking up energy and resources and then taking you spending those at different times to build your track and to build your hubs. Um, you have a lot of different... Each track on the rondelle has like three different options that you can take. You can only take one of them. And so you have to really... It's a very, very tight resource management game because you have to really plan out like at the end of the rondelle is when I'm going to try to build my you know six lengths of track and two hubs but i got to make sure i have this exact amount of resources necessary and i only have so much storage to be able to put it in and if i mess up and i'm off by one cube well now i got to go back around the whole system to be able to pick up those resources again and there's a bunch of different scoring objectives that you have that you're trying to uh you know have a certain certain length of track or, or reaching different destinations or having two different cities that are you know, surrounded by things that I think the goals change each time you play the game. And so you're trying to shoot for those throughout the course of the game. You do have worker meeples, a limited supply that you are using to kind of establish what things you're going to go for at the end of the game. So you place one meeple worker on the goal card to even be able to attempt to achieve it. And the more meeples that you assign to it, the more valuable it becomes if you achieve it. So you're kind of, you know, risking and, and trying to put out enough meeples to get a bunch of points at the end of the game, but you could be using those meeples in other places uh, to activate powers or give yourself ongoing abilities. And so there's a lot of balance in, like, how much do I put over here versus how much do I put over here? Trying to keep track of them going around the loop, trying to maybe, if you want to play it mean, you could definitely cut off people's tracks or make them, you know, have to go the long way did around. Jonah, did Jonah do that? Thankfully, so, I didn't play with Jonah. I'm so sure the resources did are really, 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 really tight. Okay. Really tight. So, so if you deny someone, it really hurts you. 
if you it's not really denying them it's just if you didn't pick up the right ones yeah i mean if you okay. get well because the resources are tight if you get there first mm-hmm. it's not really i blocked you like resources are that tight i okay i got there first now you have to go a different direction i'm oh. sorry but it took me a long time to get these roads i gotcha so hmm yeah. It was it was who was going to get the roads first, and we were both working for the last three trips around the rondelle to get them. So <laughs> so I'm sorry, you know. And you also get to place your starting hub like kind of wherever you want. So obviously, some somebody's going to place first. So if you placed close to me, it was already like it's on from game. Yeah, from round one. <laughs> you did you did this. Got you could have went round. to the other corner, you know. Okay. So yeah. yeah, the resources in the game do change price based on. Um, supply and demand, basically, I guess, or quantity, quality, whatever, rarity. Uh, so as players start to buy energy in the game, it makes the price of energy go up. So if you didn't get there first, you do have to spend more to get it. And every time you spend energy is when it goes back to the track. So you got to like pay attention to everything else that's going on. The game says on BGG that it's about 90 to 180 minutes. I would say that's accurate. It took about 50 minutes to learn and then about two and a half, three hours to play. Obviously, uh, the good thing about it is once you figure out how to play, like I already was like, okay, this should have been my strategy. These are the things I need to fix. This is how I would change things. Um, so it's, it was definitely a brain burner. It's a big, big old heavy one coming from Inside Up Games. One of the interesting things that we kind of heard from Connor at the event was that he's really trying to build out a company. He's the owner of Inside Up Games um, that has all kinds of different types of games. So he's not trying to lock himself into one type of thing. He's got several other like crazy card games and fun things and rolling rights and everything else. And so this will be, I think their, their heaviest one. And uh, if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, then definitely check that one out on Kickstarter. Kevin, what you got? You got another one? Yeah. One more uh, from board and dice coming April 18th to Kickstarter called Te Tawakan city of gods. This is a game that is the deluxe master set. So uh, Te Tawakan has been out for a few years now. And uh, now they want to throw everything that's been out, all the expansions, all the promos, all the stuff, all into one big box, one deluxe box with deluxe components. And they're actually adding in a fifth player as well. So I think they're adding in the green player. So if you like green, you need to check out this uh, this um, new deluxe game, Te Tawakan from Board and Dice. Uh, it, the game takes about an hour and a half to two hours to play, so it's a it's a medium-heavy worker placement game. Work, sorry, dice worker placement game, and I enjoy dice as worker placement games. So uh, we will also have a video out for this game, Te Tawakan, the Deluxe Master Set, coming soon April 18th to Kickstarter. Are we ready to jump into the special segment of the podcast? Hey, I have a question. Uh, there's another board and dice game that I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I didn't miss it. Books of Time. Oh, yeah. Pages of Books. We past. are on the list of getting it. So Perfect. Yep. I want to play it. Sounds good. I don't I'm know. Sh- will that one be going to Kickstarter as well? They're still deciding. Okay. Yeah. So gotcha. I, I'm on Maybe the... straight to retail is what Correct. you're saying. Yeah. Pages of Books and Time. Is that the real Books and Time. Books, books oh, of Time. Oh, I saw this. Books of Time. Books of Time. Yeah. I really wanted to play. I had never seen a book builder before. It mm-hmm. looked really cool. Yep. I'm excited book to see what they, how they constructed the books yep. to make them last uh anyway uh that's another hint from board and dice if you are are not interested in Taya to walk in you should know that they've got a really cool another one coming okay. at some point probably in 2023 yeah. um yeah i think they'll probably get it for either gen con or s and yeah for yeah. sure yep that'll be fun cool 
All right, so I love the idea of jumping into our our main topic for the episode, which is the event that Jonah and I had an opportunity to go to this past week. It's called Adam 2023. Will's going to tell us what Adam stands for. It stands for Agora for Tabletop Opinionated Minds. Boom, I was ready. He was reading it. (laughs) (laughs) That was the joke this week. Nobody knew what Adam stood for. We we were joking when you guys were out there, too. So sorry, whoever came up with the word Adam. It's it's an acrostic that stands for basically a bunch of people coming together to play games. We were trying to catch people this week. I knew it was coming from Jonah, so I looked it up. (laughs) I was ready to go. Uh, This event was sponsored by Eagle Griffin Games, by Queen Games, and by Inside Up Games. And the owners of those three companies basically all have a bunch of games that they're working on. They were hoping to get feedback and and really just give an opportunity for some of the media content creators in the industry to get a sneak peek and early look at it. And so they were kind enough to invite us out to the Gamers Ranch in Saint Missouri. Bland, Missouri. Great name for an exciting place. <laughs> uh, so my two cents on Bland is that at one point on the drive from the St. Louis airport into Bland, Missouri, where the Gamers Ranch is, we are on some old rural country roads. Um, out of nowhere, the road stops. No more lines. <laughs> Left side, right side, middle. No lines. It was only one way back Cement. and forth. No lines. Cement now. We're in a parking lot. Gas station parking lot on the corner. That's funny. Or a gas station or something. Well, there's a building in front of us. We should turn left, (laughs) go a little further. Oh, the road's back. Okay. You guys haven't been to rural Midwest. (laughs) Why would the road go into a gas station parking lot? Did you have to drive on minimum maintenance roads? Because those are great, too. I don't know what those are either. Okay, yeah. It was crazy. The The map clearly showed just veer around this corner. And I was like, we're not on the road anymore. <laughs> I just pulled into a gas station parking lot. There's the road over there. Let's keep going. And it came up so abruptly. Again, there was a building in front of you. So like you were obviously going to slow down so you didn't hit the building. But it came up so abruptly like you can take that turn going way faster than you should. You were on a road a second ago. Right. A normal highway. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird moment. It was a little, little crazy. Uh, we also saw a Taco Bell Church. Church. <laughs> what? Like church's chicken? It, we, we thought. Uh, it was, again, rural town. It looked like maybe it was an old bank building, right? An old office building. Right. Not like a not like a downtown office building, but like a... This building has been used for three or four things. Yeah. It, it, this building's been standing since 1945, and now it's a Taco Bell. Or it might have been a church with a Taco Bell logo. It was we hard to know, know what it was. It was a little, <laughs> it was a little fun. But we eventually arrived at the ranch, and it was fantastic. After a, I don't even know, two-mile off-gravel road drive, we round the corner, drive over the dam that holds the man-made lake, of two-acre lake, and pull into the ranch, and it was magical. Talk, talk about the space, Jonah. Yeah, the space was really cool. So apparently the whole story is that this gentleman um, ended up selling a company that he owned, I believe, um, got a bunch of money and built a, a ranch full of all of his favorite things. And his favorite things happen to be board games. So he has all of them, uh, generally all speaking. Them, yeah. But he's got all of them. And he's got pinball machines. When you um, walk in the first shelf, Melissa you see. was very, very jealous. I laughed when I walked into the room. <laughs> I was like, Melissa would be in heaven right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they've got good ones there. No, that's yeah, what I he said. Had good ones. He had a Dance Dance Revolution machine. He had Xboxes, Playstations. He had uh, monitors set up with, with computers, if you like that type of game. He had um, a whole shelf of uh, magic cards, which people were like, these are 
good ones. I don't know. I don't play Magic, so I'm not sure. Uh, he had, you know, the Mario Karts and, and Game Topper tables and, and he had, he had I don't, actually, Legos and kids games and he had everything. Um, I don't think I've actually seen the largest Game Toppers system in person before. Is I it, assume Berkey Custom made that. You think it, it was? was so big. I've never seen uh, that one uh, a game topper this big. It was the size of a pool table. I don't know how big it was. I it was made huge. the comment that I've never seen a folding table that big because there was a folding table underneath this game topper. <laughs> I've never seen a folding table this big. I've been to a lot of family reunions. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great game room, all decked out. He had one. He had two Calyx shelves that were just like the BGG hot list or something. I don't even mm-hmm. know what it was called. And another two that were the BGG Top 100. All the games on there. And then a board game library that was probably twice the size of Tantrum Cons. Uh, he had all the normal billiards as well. Pool tables and foosball tables. And Did he have a mini mini painting area? Did, or he did. did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I mm-hmm. thought I saw that too. He also had like a five table size Lego palace that he people sure were did. working on the full size Millennium Falcon and 30 other things that were like half in progress that people have been working on. Uh, there was a full 18-hole disc golf course on the property. 18 is – 9 is like you've got land. And I heard these were custom. Eight, Yeah, they are. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. He put like them in. He, he designed it. He designed. He was a very nice gentleman. Uh, the the course was magical. I played a few times. I got out there at least twice and played, and it was great. And it – yeah, the place is really cool. But the important part was that we were there with those three publishers, and we got to play a lot of games. Let Let's start with the ones that they – the heavy ones. We'll start there first. Well, so for, in general, everything was heavy. <laughs> this is also true. But uh, Eagle Griffin is known for putting out these big, big, heavy, long games. Yeah, out of the three publishers, I would say Eagle Griffin puts out probably the heaviest of them. Inside Up could, like you said, Terminus. Um, and then Queen Games, usually I would put them, most of them are on the family That's right. Weight. Yeah, medium. Just de- general, generally. Although they have some of the stuff in Feld Games, which are a little bit on the medium heavy side right. that's just just me just outsider looking in yeah so eagle griffin um actually asked uh vatel lacerda to join for the weekend so that's your on mars your kanban ev your lisbon i think all of those games are top 100 games but that's your weather machine and your rococos and so he came and brought a few new games or games that are still being play tested or prototypes or wherever they are in the process uh that we had a chance to play i think will played a few of them yeah sure. sure i did it was really interested in the inventions one ah, so that was the one that i didn't play oh. he had i think four other ones that okay. i did play okay it was crazy we got there we walk into the ranch everybody greets us and welcomes welcome to the party it's fantastic a bunch of people had already been there for a half day and, and people were starting to arrive and we pretty much i mean games were going on already like this was this was a social event that we had plenty of fun playing like party games and some other things as well but the vast majority of every day was spent playing i mean you have to when you're spent playing a three-hour game <laughs> so so we walked in the door i sat down i think the first game i might have played was terminus um sat down immediately got the rule set yeah let's do it let's get into it uh played a, a great game i i also one point that i'll just go ahead and toss out there early i don't think i won a single euro game all week i think i won one but i have to go back and check my list but i did crush it at the party games <laughs> I, I didn't Which lose a party game did you bring don't mess with Cthulhu, or is it just there it was already there okay so they got a game of that in but i did actually bring it they just didn't play my version oh that's funny <laughs> they already had it on the <laughs> of shelf course. um so i started with terminus it was great uh, i think maybe thursday night is when we played weather machine 
Yeah, I think Thursday night we played by the machine. So Vital actually sat down and taught us how to play it. It was great. Uh, I think Jonah, you already had played it, right? Yeah, I won that one. Yeah, okay, so that was his win. Um, so as he's explaining the game, it was actually uh, a refreshing way to, for to learn a game because he told you all about why it should make sense to you. He's and, very big on theme and like tying it into everything. Yeah. So yeah, it well, was. I played on Mars and it's very thematic. Very thematic. Yeah. He was like, and then you have to publish the papers, and because that's what's happening in the world today when mm. things happen. And it was like, oh, and you can yeah. cite this other guy's work over here, and oh, you that can- makes total sense. Uh, normally, I just say, you know, if all the blue ones are gone, you can have a black one. But, but I'm understanding <laughs> why you would have built the game this way. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. I mean, it was a surprise that he was going to be there. Uh, they sent out an invite list that told us all the publishers and designers and media people that would be there. He was not on the list, which I think was intentional. And so we walked in, and I was like, I think I recognize almost everybody in the room, except for that guy over there. I guess I should go say hi. And he introduces himself, and I'm thinking in my head, like, the Lacerda? <laughs> like, are you sure that you know who you are? Uh, it was fantastic. Super, super funny guy, super humble, super humble guy, really great to play with. And uh, so, yeah, Weather Machine was very cool. I very much enjoyed it. It was a great start to the evening. Jonah, are we going to talk about how you almost died? Uh, I got a little food poisoning <laughs> I, uh, from the dinner the first night, and it was not good. I'm playing Weather Machine. So if you've played this game before, again, it's a heavier game. Um, we've been talking about that the whole time. There's probably 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes between turns, maybe. And again, not saying that it's not interactive and you shouldn't be there and figure out what's happening, but because I wasn't feeling so great, I'm taking my turn and I'm just running out of the room <laughs> for a solid 45 minutes. Like, come back, take a turn, bye. run. Um, you know, I'll be back. Awesome. And it, I was I was actually doing pretty good with timing. Right. Like, they weren't waiting on me. And he's still winning. It's doing pretty, pretty good before. with timing, winning, that other people don't realize. I'm just not trying to be like, See ya. <laughs> gotta go back. Gotta go back up. So, you know, round so, two. Yeah. So I'm, you know, playing my turn. I have no sip idea. Of water. I'm playing the game. I'm stepping out. You know, I, you know, I'm just going to check on everybody else. I'm just, uh, it was tough. Uh, <laughs> we still won. That's important. <laughs> he still got the W. He leaves. He comes back like just in time for his turn. I was like, there must be something fun going on uh, in that other room because Jonah keeps like abandoning the game. Fun. I'm going to go check out. What's, oh, they're just playing other games out here. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll come fun. back. Uh, I guess I'll get a drink. Jonah, Jonah's like getting drink and getting some food, some snacks. I guess I'll go. He's gone. He finally texts me at like, I mean, three hours into it. It's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm shivering. I am not doing well. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why you've been disappearing every 20 minutes. It was funny. He pulled off the win. It was a great time. Yeah, it was good. So he, the other prototypes that he brought with him was a game called Casa de Fado. 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 Uh, I think it's going to be called House of Fado in America. Um, I did not get a chance to play. I, I looked, I heard the rules, but I didn't play. Did you play that one? I did. It was neat. It's the, so Fado is like the word for the musicians that play at your dinner table in nice restaurants. And so the whole idea is that you have, you're running a restaurant. So like mariachi, but the upscale. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> upscale mariachi. Well, you uh, said casa, so I assume Spanish and then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep so going. you are, so it's a, it's again, a heavy worker placement game. It's um oh no I'm gonna forget the name of what it's originally speaky no sorry it's based on okay. it's got a similar mechanic to one of his other games I'm gonna say Kanban but I don't think that's correct the the um the food one the food one 
He's food food chain magnet? Nope. Okay. Uh, I'll describe the game, and then you'll be able to tell me which okay. mechanic it borrows from. In the game, it's a worker placement game. You send your workers out to different spaces to recruit musicians and uh, food and uh, patrons and everything else. And you, when you run out of meeples, you take one of your existing pieces off and put it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And the main thing that's interesting is if somebody else wants to go to the same space that you are on, it bumps you to a little sub track where you get to take actions. So the cool thing about the game is that even though it's a you know somewhat heavier strategy game, there's very little downtime in the game because most of the time when somebody else takes their action, they're going to take the main action they want to take and it's going to bump you down on this track and you can take one of the other three actions that are available to you. And so you're kind of moving and shaking the entire time. In the game, you also are... You're basically trying to run the best restaurant. You're trying to get a five-star review. You can actually get the Michelin star as one of the oh, victory point cool. conditions in the game. And um, you're also... Vinos is his other popular one. Nope. CO2. Nope. That's C- I played either. CO2. And none of that sounded familiar. Okay. No. <clears throat> um, it'll come to me halfway through. Uh, but you're also... One of the other things in the game that was pretty neat is that you are... Uh, composing music like you have you're writing the music That's for cool. the band and so you're collecting music notes throughout the course of the game Don't and say band say like ensemble or the something. ensemble they've got a 12 they got a 12 string guitar an acoustic guitar and the singer so three different roles mm-hmm. and you are trying to collect the specific music notes for a sheet of music and if you're able to publish three sheets of music throughout the game, that's another uh, thing that puts you towards in-game scoring. And then you're also, all of the musicians in the game are ranked with a die, and so you're trying to get them to level six, where they'll become super famous, and then they'll bring lots of music or lots of patrons to your restaurant. So a lot of really neat things going on uh, in that one. It was still early prototype, and it was the type of thing where, as I was playing it, I was like, man, if this looked like Weather Machine with all the glorious illustrations and beauty of it, it would be... Uh, it'd be gorgeous. Yep. The mechanic that it borrows from is from The Gallerist. Oh, okay. So one of my favorite Vital moments of the weekend is in the middle of a game of Earth, an inside-up game. Uh, again, it's <laughs> got all the all the rage right now, right? It's the hottest game on BGG. Uh, he walks over uh, from his teach just a few tables um, to the left of us and says, Oh, Earth, I can't play this game. Too many cards. I said, Vital, your games have so many pieces. They take hours. This is just the car. I can't. I can't play this game. Too many. Co- I can't get the cards to match. Too, long, too, too many, many cards. cards. Too, many, too long. Too long. <laughs> Everyone at the table loses it. Yeah, what that's are funny, you talking about, sir? It's a much shorter game. Much yes. shorter. I I said too long. This takes an hour. I played it yesterday. It took me four hours. <laughs> we stopped for dinner in the middle. <laughs> I said, go, go go back over there to your game. They need your help with all their actions they got to do. One of my favorite listener moments during the, the event was they uh, Marty from Rolling Jason Taking Names did some interviews for his podcast. And if you listen to their podcast, you know that they do a lot of different like food things on it. So he actually brought with him some spicy uh, Reaper. What's it called? Carolina I, Reaper oh. chocolate. Oh. Interesting. Uh, and he had people taste test it on his show. Okay. So the episode involves... Taste Buds is what the name of their episode is. Yeah, like yeah. Taste Buds. Yeah. So they've got Grant Lyon and Danielle Standring and a couple other people who try it on the show. It was a funny episode to listen to them record. You know, their faces are on fire and they're trying to survive. Well, after the episode, uh, Marty brought the leftover pieces of chocolate downstairs and he was like, it's hot. I just want to warn everybody. But if you want to try it, by it, go ahead. So um, Connor... 
Uh, Magui oh, tosses a piece in his mouth. He actually does fine with it. Two other people do, and then Vital tosses a chunk in, and he like everybody's like, "Woo, yeah, that's pretty hot." And then <laughs> Vital just like bursts out with a case of the hiccups for the next ten minutes, <laughs> and they are super loud hiccups. And so he's like, "Oh, whoa, that is so." I don't know why I'm hiccuping. <laughs> it was very funny. Everybody was fine. I think everybody everybody's stomachs fared better than Jonah's did originally. That is but accurate. There were some good moments. It was a good time. One other taste test show that they did, which was pretty funny, a number of the uh, the folks who came to the event were from Canada, and so apparently they're not grits people up there. So Marty and his wife Vanessa cooked up some grits one morning and did a little taste test of that, and everybody was trying it out, and there were some some great reactions from that as well. You know, what is this gritty paste? Why would you ever eat this? Oh, get out of here! That's the grits were very good. They were, and so many people were like, "Wow, never again will I eat grits." <laughs> I was like, "These are actually very good grits. Like they they made grits, like cheesy they were, grits. Or? They weren't cheesy, okay, just but I mean, yeah, butter they were good basic milk. grits." Yeah, and that was the thing everybody was telling them, like, you got to put some cheese, you got to get some shrimp, get some gravy on like there. Brown sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also played Bot Factory. Uh, that's a Vital Asserta game. Mm-hmm. It's a lower weight, so not as heavy. Um, he described this game as Kanban light. So if you like Kanban, then Bot Factory you should totally check okay. out cool. uh, as well. He had another game called Speakeasy. Which that's a prototype, right? Yeah. Yep. We have both of these were. Oh no, Bot Factory is published. Bot, Bot Factory is published. Bot yeah. Factory. Yeah. But Speakeasy, did you play that? I did. So Fado was pretty late in its um, play uh, play testing. He's got that pretty much done. It just kind of needs art on it. Uh, Speakeasy is a Prohibition era worker placement game where you are trying to. It, the map kind of looks like. What's the mobster one from Simon that has like a map of New York? Tammany Hill. Nope, but it, it kind of looks like that one, too. Talking uh, about... Mob boss where you're sh- sending people down oh, the river. Oh, um, Godfather. Godfather. And so you've got this overhead map of New York. You are trying to set up uh, stills where you're building, where you're filling up barrels full of uh, booze to be able to sell, and then you kind of run a mob family. So it's worker placement. You have family members, which are like higher-valued workers, and then you have like goons mm-hmm. that you hire. And you are trying to defend against other territories. You're trying to pick up and deliver barrels. You're trying to get the number of vehicles that you have up and the distance they can travel out so that you can accomplish more. Uh, just a lot of different stuff going on in that game. There's card play. There's tracks that you're opening up and unlocking. Uh, it was still kind of early in development, so there were a lot of things that he was like asking for feedback, and we were trying to tweak and things like that. But uh, it looks... I mean, it's going to be good. Cool. He actually, I don't know if I just share this or not. He, this is another funny statement. He said, he was like, I feel like this one is going to be a hit. Like my first hit. And we were like, first first hit. (laughs) 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 I don't know. I don't know if you know what you're talking about. Uh, He was like this. He was excited. Like he felt like this is going to be a top 10 BGG type of game. My concern is the theme could be. Like it'll definitely depend on which way the art goes. Mm-hmm. He has some really classy styles of art, and so I think it'll you know, be Tool fine. Usually does his art right, and so I think the theme is. Oh, so another interesting conversation was uh, originally at the very beginning of the conversation, he was describing some of the bad guys as thugs, and so Ryan Shun actually brought up like you know that might be something that is historically accurate, but it might be something you want to consider tweaking just for sensitivity reasons as you're as you're putting out the game, and so he was. Not that he was confused. He was just saying, like, oh, yeah, I have English editors that do that kind of stuff. I don't 
English is not my you know first language, obviously. And so we, he was kind of asking, what are the connotations of it? And then so we kind of decided, like, maybe you just call them goons. And he was like, oh, goons. All right. Sounds good to me. Let's go. Uh, so I think there's still a lot of development to happen. I don't know how quickly and how soon this one will come out, but it, it was very interesting, had a lot of really cool things going on. And I think assuming the theme is handled well, I think it will be a really fantastic game. The only company we haven't chatted about yet is Queen Games, and yeah. they have their Steffen Feld collection coming out. They're all reimagined games, redesigned games that have been out before with new art, of course, mm-hmm. new branding, and a new name. And there's, there's their city collection because they're going to be named things like Hamburg and New York City and Vienna. And Marrakesh was one of the games that I was able to play. Anybody on the pod? I haven't played, played it. it. Larry has. Larry's always talking how Loving awesome it. it is. He told Bill to bring it home. Oh, it's coming home. It's being, so it's being sent. It's being sent. Queen Games cool. is lucky. We are lucky enough that Queen Games is going to send us a copy. But There's I did get a chance ecstatic. to play it. Their, um, their Steffenfeld collection is going to be very fun. Uh, there's also going to be a significant amount of these games. Uh, they've got some cool uh, things with the, like their Essential Edition where they're going to have box covers with um, that are going to connect together to make a skyline. That's so cool. when you put them on your shelves, it'll have a skyline. It looks really cool. Uh, you really should look out for these games. But in Marrakesh, uh, it's... So here's what's fun about Marrakesh. There's a dice tower that comes in the game. Mm-hmm. You all have these keshis is what they're called. But really, it's just a wooden wooden meeple okay you've got eight of them they're all a different color they all represent different actions on your player board and one's wild Mm -hmm. on your turn you pick three of them the actions that you want to activate and then you put your meeples um in you put them in a group so now you've got 12 you're playing a four-player game and you drop them in this dice tower well the dice tower collects and holds them and and let some of them come out at later times that's cool so you don't actually know when like okay i just dropped three blues in there and only one blue came out there are two blues that are going to come out (laughs) later and you kind of have to pay attention you don't have to pay attention but it's just really cool uh and uh, you go around the table you draft um whatever you draft you get to activate on top of the three that you put in you'll also activate and so the game's really cool uh in that sense that there's some drafting uh it uh, basically it's all about tracks and it's a point salad you got to get up all the tracks and see if you can't score as high as you can um there are some r- requirements that you have to pay each round or you're going to lose points um, that makes it a little tricky because now I'm not going to do all the things I wanted to do because I need to hold some resources back so I can make the payment and um, and things like that. It's it's really, really cool. If I'm not mistaken, it is on Kickstarter right now, and there's only like a few hours left. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, you might have to check to see if Late Pledge is open, but you're not going to want to miss Marrakesh, especially as they start putting out the rest of their city collection from Steffenfeld. Yeah, <clears throat> well, I did games. get to play one of their new prototypes which is called vienna oh yeah okay and it's going to be a remake of again i'm so terrible at these names um one of their other games in the old game you were like in the safari taking pictures of animals and like collecting them in this one you are an like secret agent in vienna and you are uh trying to much cooler it does sound much cooler and i think it actually according to what they were saying it makes more sense even mechanically so they updated some mechanics and things as jonah was saying a lot of these are remakes not all of them they are introducing some brand new ones as well but the vast majority are going to be games that have been published in the past. So they've already kind of proven their success and their fun, but then this is going to be in a brand new theme. And they're really kind of going deluxe with all these ones. Like 
inset boards and crazy, you know, dice towers and lots of different unique dice and things. Um, in Vienna, you are trying to move from one area to another. You are, that's not really true. You are trying to send your workers out to specific locations on the map. But in order to do that, you kind of have to have it, uh, bribes that you can exchange with the leaders of those buildings in order to collect specific pieces of information. It's also got a stock market track type of thing in it. It's not stocks, but the value of the pieces that you collect will go up over the course of the game. And you can help influence that by using one of your actions each round. You're actually going to draw three cards each round and you're going to use three different parts of those cards. The first card will be an ongoing power that you can use throughout the course of the game. The second one is going to be the resource that you kind of collect for your bribes. And then the third one is going to be pushing up uh, the value of those things on your chart. So you got to decide which which part of the card do I want to play in each area. And you can really build some really powerful engines in the game. The neat thing is you have to you have to each time replace one of your engine building cards. And so you might have a really great engine going, but then when you pull that new piece in, maybe it messes it up, maybe it changes it, maybe you got to kind of rethink how you're going to be using your turns. And it was neat. It was another probably two-hour game that we played, and uh, Mick from our family plays game, board games destroyed us. Like most of the games that I played were pretty tight scoring, he had an engine at one point that was just like giving him 30 points a turn and the rest of us are getting three. I don't, I don't know how it worked out. <laughs> it was a crazy, crazy game. Uh, one other thing that I want to talk about from the event, which was a lot of fun was that they were encouraging us to, uh, you know, just do some social media stuff to have some fun times. So we did play several, like just crazy games, throwing, throwing stuff off the balcony to play tic-tac-toe. We played like, uh, meeple pong, where we were throwing meeples into cups of terrible things, vinegar, sour cream, hot salsa. Everybody was having a blast. It was so good. Uh, make sure you check out our TikTok channel for some of those. Jonah and I also did some like trivia stuff with people. It was lots and lots and lots of fun. Any final words, Jonah? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you guys seem like you had a wonderful time. I'm seeing all the pictures on social media seemed like it was a blast. Yep, it really was good. It was good to the be able to... The only thing that... The only event so far this year that has rivaled it has been Tantrum Con. That is correct. This is definitely number two. A lot of positive <laughs> feedback about Tantrum Con at Adam2023. But that's all for now. We are going to chat with you next time on our next episode. All about games, all about things, all about life. All the time. Bye! Bye. Thanks for listening to the Tantrum House Board Game Podcast. If you liked any part of this at all, find and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and tantrumhouse.com. Like us, share us, email us, call us, or send us a postcard to Tantrum House, 306 Berry Drive, that's B-A-R-R-Y, Greer, South Carolina, 29650.